Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. So, uh, as was said, we are continuing our series this morning on the gospel according to Pixar. And uh, the film that I have chosen to speak on this morning is the film Brave. And uh, as people have heard that that has been my choice of film, uh, anyone who knows the film and knows the central heroine in the plot, a, a princess called Merida, they haven't actually been that surprised that that is the film I have chosen. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen Brave, it's a great film. The premise is that there uh, is a girl called Merida. She is a princess in Scotland and she is the daughter to the king of Dunbrock and uh, her her I guess life has spent and it kind of comes to this climax at the beginning of the film has been spent preparing for this position of authority for her responsibility to rule and reign as a princess and one day as a queen uh, and her mum is giving her lessons and equipping her in what it means to rule and to reign and um she reaches this point and where the film opens is where it is time for her to choose a husband and the way that this works is that all of the lords of the surrounding kingdoms come together and their sons compete for Merida's hand in marriage but Merida isn't quite that simple she is complex and she is wild and she is adventurous and she is free-spirited and she looks at these guys and says I'm not having any of them Uh, and she just uh, stands up against really all of this stuff and says no I'm going to do things my way I want to live for adventure. I am wild. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I want to do. I am independent. I am strong and I'll do what I want. And this really is the opening to the film. Um, the problem is that for Merida is there a responsibility to rule and reign in her life. Um, there is a responsibility as a, a member of royalty to rule and reign. And, and this is the tension that we have here. This tension between a responsibility of ruling and reigning and this pull to adventure but to do things her way. And this is the tension that I want to look at this morning because I believe that it's also a tension for us. You see, our culture has this habit of saying to us, yeah, you do you. You do things your way. You live for you. You do what feels right. Be independent. Be strong. This is about you. Um, And whether you're in this room today and you're 12 or whether you're 102, I believe that this is a narrative of culture over our lives. I am... I'd like to take a moment to give a shout out to the female millennials in the room. Uh, I would like to introduce you to 14-year-old Laura's life. This is what culture was about when I was 14 years old. Ladies and gentlemen, girl power. So we had the Spice Girls. Uh, This is just the year 2000, by the way. If you have not seen Spice World, the movie, year 2000 was when it was released. You're missing a treat. So we had uh, the Spice World, the movie. We had uh, the Charlie's Angels film came out. Of course, Destiny's Child releasing in independent women and Britney Spears was just all over the scene Uh, she was absolutely rocking it you do you girl power you do what you want you are strong and independent and uh, and that was my narrative growing up but this is not a new narrative it's not an old narrative it is the narrative that so many of us whether we're female and millennial or not end up living to This voice that says, be strong, be independent, you do what you want, because that is the most important thing. And this is the world that you see Merida dabbling in at the beginning of this story. And we're going to come back to this, we're going to come on to it. But before we do, I would like to introduce you to the person of Merida. You see, Merida is wild. Merida is independent. And I believe that each of us has an inner Merida. Uh, You see, Merida is 
actually those things, but she is called to lead. Um, And it may be this morning that you aren't sitting there thinking, well, yes, I am a leader. You may well not identify as a leader. You may not think, well, that's not really who I am. But I believe that whether you recognize it in yourself or not, you are called to lead. Now, that might be in a workspace, but that might be that you're called to lead in your home, that you're called to lead in your peer group, that you're called to lead in a volunteer position, that you are called to lead um, in your family, in a sports team, in a friendship group. If you're here this morning and you follow Jesus, it could just be that you are called to lead other people to Jesus. Wherever you're at this morning, whether you believe in Jesus or not, you are called to lead. You are called to a position of responsibility. You carry authority. And for Merida, she had this responsibility. She had this position of of royalty, of authority that she was called into. But also, she had this wildness about her, this desire for adventure. Now, um, for her, what is really interesting as you watch this is that you see this responsibility, this call to royalty, to rule, and this desire for adventure morph into something very different. You begin to see it morph into something called individualism. Now, uh, for those of you who maybe aren't over familiar with the term, individualism is the habit of independence. It's self-reliance. It's saying, do you know what? I'm going to do what I want because this is what feels right for me and I'm not too bothered about the repercussion on others. I'm going to do what feels right, what I want to do, and I'm not really concerned about the wider community and what happens there and the impacts that my decisions make. And you see, there's something about this that resounds in us. You see, if you are in this space this morning and you would consider yourself a human being, then I would say that you also are called to royalty. You are also are called to rule and to reign. And I want to show you what I mean by that. This is a passage uh, in Genesis 1. And it says this. Uh, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. You see, if you are a human being, then at the beginning of time, you were given the call and the mandate to rule. Now, this word rule, uh, there's an author called John Mark Comer who is excellent. And um, he talks uh, in in one of his books about a Hebrew scholar who, when he he looks to define that word rule, this is the definition that he comes up with. To rule is to partner with God in taking the world somewhere. That is your calling. And whether that is the world and uh, as humanity's stewardship over an entire planet, or whether that is your world, your sphere, the place where you will walk into on a Monday morning, whatever that looks like, in that environment, you are called to rule and to reign and to partner with God in taking that world somewhere. That is quite the mandate. That is quite the calling. But the problem is that just like Merida, we're given this kind of calling to rule and to reign. But because we do not live in a perfect world, what happens is a voice of culture, a voice of individualism creeps in. And suddenly this rule and this reign becomes about us. 
It's the right to rule and to reign over our own lives. And what happens is that we forget something absolutely crucial. And this really is what I would love you to take away from this morning. Is that when you are called to royalty, that you have a responsibility to respond to the world around you. When you are called to royalty, you have a responsibility to respond. And this was Merida's lesson, but I also believe it could be ours. Now, I want to be very clear about something. Um, I believe there is a difference between individuality and individualism. Uh, we are all individuals, and actually your individuality, who you are, is created by God and designed to be different to the person next to you. Your individuality is maybe how you will reign, but individualism is why you will reign. You see, what happens with Merida is her individuality is that she has this wildness, this desire for adventure, this passion, this drive. And actually, that is a gift for her leadership. That is her ruling and reigning. But her individualism makes that wildness and that desire for adventure about her, her adventure and her wildness. And it is so easy to see how this happens. If you think about our culture, we live in a world, and don't get me wrong, I use all of these things, which kind of makes you think that your rule and reign is about you, that this world is postured towards you. Um, we live in an on-demand world where we watch Netflix, where we can have Prime and Prime Now, where we can get Just Eat and have whatever food we want delivered to our door, if you live in the right postcode. Um, unfortunately, I don't. Um, but this, this world, this culture speaks to this calling to rule and reign on our lives and, and feeds this lie that somehow this is about us. We begin to believe that the world was not just created for us, but about us. We forget that we are called to rule and reign for a reason that is so much bigger than ourselves. You are called to lead for a reason that is so much bigger than yourself. And what I want to do this morning, and you're going to have to bear with me because I'm taking on quite a journey, is that I want us to weave between a couple of stories. Uh, we've got two strong female heroines this morning in our stories. Uh, and so obviously Merida and the film Brave is one of those. But I also want us to take a look at the story of royalty, uh, a woman called Esther in the Bible. Now, if you've never read the book of Esther, it's a strong read. Uh, it's near kind of in the front half of the Bible. I genuinely recommend you take some time to do that. Uh, but Esther is someone who lived amongst this narrative, uh, but managed to kind of go against the flow at the same time in a really incredible way. You see, Esther existed at the time uh, of a king called Xerxes. Uh, and King Xerxes uh, lived around 486 BC to around 465 uh, BC. And he uh, wasn't just a king. This guy was considered a god. He was considered God on earth, and he didn't have the best marital record. Uh, his last wife uh, did something to displease him, so he killed her, and then he needed a new wife. And so he decided to do the equivalent of some sort of beauty pageant and was like, right, all the hotties in the area, come line up. I want to look at you. I'm going to pick the fit one, and she can be my wife. And so this is the narrative that we step into, because Esther, this girl, got kind of put into this, like I guess, elaborate beauty pageant. And so this is what we read in the book of Esther. Um, when the king's order and edict to get all the hot girls together had been proclaimed, many young women were brought to the citadel of Susa and put under the care of Hegai. Esther also was taken to the king's palace and entrusted to Hegai who had charge of the harem. 
She pleased him and won his favor. Immediately, he provided her with her beauty treatments and special food. He assigned to her seven female attendants selected from the king's palace and moved her and her attendants into the best place in the harem. Esther had not revealed her nationality, so um, Esther was Jewish, and family background because Mordecai, who's her cousin, uh, had forbidden her to do so. Every day he walked to and fro from the courtyard of the harem to find out how Esther was and what was happening to her. Before a young woman, uh, young woman's turn came to go into the King Xerxes, she had to complete 12 months of beauty treatments sounds pretty stressful, uh, prescribed for the women six months of oil of myrrh and six with perfumes and cosmetics. And this is how she would go to the king. Anything she wanted was given to her to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. She lived in this culture that was all, became all about her because of her connection to royalty. Anything she wanted would be given to her. It would be so easy for her to believe that the world was not just for her, but about her. And yet, she recognized something. And we'll see this as the story goes on. She begins to recognize that with royalty comes responsibility, despite whatever a voice of culture might tell you. And it's interesting because you see this similar um, narrative with Merida. You see this in the film Brave. But what's interesting here is that Merida's response is actually frustration. Merida gets really frustrated about what's expected of her because of what's been given to her. You know, when we find ourselves in positions of leadership, of authority, in this position of ruling and reigning, whether it be in the big over the world or in the macro in your world, or the micro, sorry, in your world, what often happens is we can get so frustrated with our call to leadership because of how much we've been given. And so what happens in this narrative is if you watch as Merida just pursues her own independence, you watch as she pursues this idea of individualism, and what happens is that her pursuit of individualism and living for herself actually comes at the cost of unity. And so often we do exactly the same thing. There's a, a war and a tension that happens. Independence over interdependence. Individualism over intimacy. And self-interest over submission. And so often, this is the exact narrative that we wrestle with when we are called to more in our lives. And just like Merida, this narrative of individualism, of you be you, you do what you want, that is seen as brave. What we're not told is that that comes at a huge cost. And so, the story of Brave continues. Uh, so Merida um, feels and feels the real weight, I guess, of this responsibility to rule and reign. Uh, and she doesn't like it. And so she decides to take action. She decides to kind of pursue this idea of independence. Turns her back on her responsibilities. Turns her back on her responsibility to unite a kingdom. Uh, says, oh, I'm not marrying any of these guys. And uh, she has this massive row with her mom where she kind of rips a, a tear in this tapestry of their family. Um, and what she does is she decides, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to run. I'm not going to rule. I'm going to run. And so she goes off into the wood and meets this woman who, unfortunately, is a witch. And um, she casts this spell to change her destiny. And for Merida, the problem was not her. And it's so interesting that when our lives are based around ourselves, so often we are not the problem. It's somebody else. And in this situation, it was her mum. And so in order to change her destiny, what happens is that unusually her mum gets turned into a bear. Now, if you don't know the plot, I understand that sounds strange. There is context. Um, 
But all of a sudden, her mum becomes this bear, and Merida realises she has made a horrible decision. Oh my gosh, my mum's a bear. This wasn't the plan. I need to do something about it. So she goes back to the woman, and the woman's not there, and basically gets the equivalent of this answer machine message that says, uh, the only way that you can fix this is to mend the bond that is torn by pride. And there's a moment when you watch the film and you go, oh, yeah, that's deep. (laughs) And for Merida, she realizes that part of this is fixing the tapestry that she tore when she had an argument with her mum. Now, the the mum becoming a bear thing, I understand that feels a little random. Um, But there's actually something really significant about it. You see, there's something that happens when we pursue individualism that means that we lose our humanity. You see, the deal with Merida is that if she doesn't fix the the bond torn by pride, is that her mum will lose her humanity forever. And that is exactly what happens when we live completely for ourselves. You see, a part of being human, a part of our original call was to rule and to reign for others. And so when we become about ourselves and nothing else, we lose a part of our humanity alongside that. So often we think that our world is about us. We get frustrated with the expectations on us and we get frustrated with uh, our position of authority, our position of responsibility, because we want to do what we want. We want to rule in our world. I want to spend my money how I want. I want to eat what I want. I want to shop where I want. Uh, I know there's probably some sort of ethical responsibility there somewhere, but I want to do what I want to do, and I'm not too bothered about the wider consequences. I want to date who I want to date. It doesn't matter if that person's going to end up getting hurt. I want to do what I want to do. I want to watch what I want to watch. I want to become what I want to become. And slowly, this responsibility to rule and reign um, becomes more about us being comfortable, more about us being happy. The problem is that when you are royalty, you have a responsibility to respond. And so, we continue with our story of Esther. So, um, within the story of Esther, there are some additional characters that I haven't mentioned. Um, There's this guy called Haman. And Haman is like this really important guy in the kingdom. And uh, he has loads of stuff. And he, we mentioned pride before, this guy has a pride thing going on. And what he decides to do is he decides to put this law out that whenever he trots past on his horse, uh, that everybody has to bow down and worship him. Just stop what you're doing, bow down and worship this guy. Now, Mordecai uh, is in the street one day and Haman passes. And Mordecai's like, I am not having any of that joker. There is no way I'm doing that. I was called to worship God. I'm not bowing down there. And so he just stands there while everybody else kind of bows down. This gets back to Haman and Haman gets mad. Like this pride thing in him, it goes a whole way. And so he doesn't just want to kill Mordecai. He wants to kill the whole Jewish kind of culture. In that he wants to kill everyone who's a Jew because of this one guy's actions. And Mordecai's like, man, this is bad. Okay, the only thing that I can do, the only thing I have is that I need Esther, my cousin, to go to the king and petition on our behalf. And so Mordecai sends a messenger to Esther to say what's going on and to say, Esther, you need to step up here. Esther, you need to go and see King Xerxes and plead for us as a nation. And this is what it says in Esther 4. 
It says, Then she, Esther, instructed him, the messenger, to say to Mordecai, All the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death, unless the king extends the golden scepter to them and spares their lives. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, she, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows? But that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Who knows that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this? You see, Mordecai gets something. He gets that you were born to rule. You were born to lead. You were born for authority. But this rule was never about your rights. It was about your responsibility to respond to the world around you. This is brave. And so, Merida comes to this position. She comes to this place where all of these narratives collide. She comes to this place of going, of a crossroads, really. Is this about me or is this about something greater? Is this responsibility to rule and respond about uniting or about pursuing my own thing? Essentially, she has the choice. Are you going to rule or are you going to run? You know, for us, uh, in our positions of leadership, responsibility, uh, wherever you find yourself, uh, Monday to Friday, Monday to Saturday, there will be times when you don't feel like leading, when you don't feel like fulfilling your God-given rule to reign, um, call to reign and rule. Now, I actually believe if you're here this morning and you don't follow Jesus, that you are still called to a position of leadership. It's, it's within you. It's humanity's DNA. But if you do follow Jesus here this morning, it's even greater on your life. And you know there will be times when you think, I'm done with this. This is too much. I just want to do what I want to do right now. I just want to binge out. I just want to get on my metaphorical horse and ride through the woods shooting arrows. I'm done. But this morning, I want to ask you, are you going to rule or are you going to run? Because you were created to rule. So Merida realizes that she needs to get back into the castle and she needs to fix this tapestry. Uh, this tapestry with the bond that needs to be mended that was torn by pride. Uh, and she uh, has to walk through this this big hall where the result of her actions has caused disunity in in her entire kingdom. She has to sneak through this hall with her mum, who's a bear, very subtle, and uh, she has to get through this hall, fix and mend some of the bonds that she has broken in her pride, and she gets to a place where she realises that she has to submit, that her rule was never about her. See, Merida realises that she was created to rule. But she realized that sovereignty was about submission, that her rules about her coming second and her serving. 
If we go back to um, the plot of Esther, uh, what happens is that Esther recognises that she was put uh, in a position of royalty in order to respond. And so she uh, gets the Jewish community together and says, you guys, you need to fast and you need to pray because I'm going to go before the king. And you know what's interesting is that when we commit to submitting, when we commit to interdependence, we are never ruling and reigning on our own. And she gets them to pray, and she gets them to meet, and she says this line. She says, if I must die, I must die. When we look in the face of individualism, that is the line we have to remember. If I must die, I must die. And so she goes before the king, and there's this moment, I imagine, of incredible tension while she stands before him and just waits to see if he's going to accept her or have her killed. And she approaches him, and his response Esther, ask for anything, even up to half the kingdom, and I will give it to you. Because of her bravery, because of her submission, because of her willing to die to herself, an entire generation is saved. You know, we are called to rule, we are called to reign, we are called to steward, and in this world, we come second. Whether it's the world in the big picture and our call to, sh- to, to rule and to reign as, as humankind, or whether it's the world that you walk into, your world, your sphere, where you're placed. You see, brave ends uh, with a kingdom that is united, where she realizes her mandate to rule and to reign, where she realizes that when you're called to royalty, you have a responsibility to respond to the world and the needs of those around you because of what you've been given. I wonder whether sometimes we listen to the voice of culture a little too much, whether things become about our comfort, our happiness, even sometimes about our brokenness, and we forget to ask the question, what am I called to respond to? You see, what happens is when we listen to that voice, Your call to rule and to reign and to lead, your vision for that call becomes way too small. It becomes about you ruling and reigning over your own world. Your rule and your reign was called to cover the world, to steward the world, not over other people, but for other people, to serve and to love other people. And and on behalf of a kingdom, on behalf of God, And so I wonder whether for some of us this morning, we need to think about our call to rule and to reign a little differently. I wonder whether for some of us here, we don't recognize it. You sit there and go, well, I'm not a leader. Yeah, kind of are. It's kind of part of your DNA when you were created. You're called to rule and reign. And for some of us, accepting that is a really big deal. It has been for me. But for some of us, I wonder whether the challenge is which voice we listen to most, the voice of our culture or the voice of our creator. The line of, if I must die, I must die. The recognition that when we are called to royalty, that we have a responsibility to respond. What might be the thing that God is putting on your radar to respond to in the world or in your world this morning? Would you stand with me, please? We're going to go into our final song. And I just wonder whether there is a moment of reflection. A moment of reflection around how do you feel about this for your life? 
How do you feel about the fact that you have been called to lead, to rule and to reign? To ask yourself the brave question, who have you been ruling and reigning for? Have you wanted to run rather than to rule? And what might be some of the things that God is calling you to respond to? Jesus, we thank you that you have given us so much. Whether we know you or not, we are privileged here and you have given us so much. But God, often when we're given so much, an expectation comes with that. A responsibility to rule, to reign, to respond. And so Jesus, where we're out of line here, correct us. Where we don't believe that this is a call on our lives to lead, to step up, God, help us to see that. Where culture's voice has been louder than our creator's, God, silence the other voice and speak a little bit louder. if there is something that you're wanting us to respond to a need an individual even a, a huge global problem God if there is something that you're calling us to respond to in our royalty then Jesus break our heart for that thing we recognise that this world is created for us but God it is not about us reshape us this morning.